Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 24 through 29, but looking specifically at verse 27, and really just a phrase in that. This is part two of of, um, a two-part look at verses 26 through 27. Look at just this one phrase at the end of verse 27, but we'll read from 24 through 29 for context, and then we'll consider the meaning of the phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So hear with us the word of the Lord from his servant, the Apostle Paul. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he he powerfully works within me. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together and then consider its meaning. Our great God, I pray indeed that this evening, as we prepare to go and seeing Christmas carols to um, our community, bringing Christmas light into the darkness, bringing gospel truth and song. I pray that you would prepare us now in these moments through your word. Fill us with joy and hope. Fill us with longing to see more and more people come to faith in Jesus Christ, come under the, the truth of the gospel as found in these words strengthen here my brothers and sisters in christ some who are new to the faith some who have who are not necessarily new to the faith but their their walk is is rocky and full of um snares and thorns and thistles and and maybe they are weary maybe they are afraid of falling away, I pray that through this word you would strengthen them, keep them, let them see the beauty of the love of Jesus who is in them, is their hope for glory. And may everyone here press on, press on in faith, press on in trust. For the glory of Christ in his name we pray these things. Amen. So last week we looked at how Paul in verses 26 and 27 discuss the mystery that was hidden, but now is revealed to the saints. And and this mystery had to do with Gentiles, non-Jews, how they could be included into God's family. That was always an anticipation, but the question of was how. So the what that, that, um, that, that Gentiles would be included into the people of God, that was always anticipated. That, was, that had been long time uh, uh, understood to be coming. But just, the question was, how were they to do so? 
Were they to do so by subscribing to Jewish ritual and Jewish customs and practices uh, like the like circumcision and and and. Um, in the dietary laws and worship at the temple. Uh, but Paul says, no, that mystery has now been revealed. The, the, how, the Jew, uh, how Gentiles will be included into the, into, the people, into, the, into the Jews as one people of God that's had to do with Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that was the mystery. That's what we looked at last week, that this mystery that is now revealed is that the Gentiles are included on the basis of Christ and his finished work. So today we're going to look at this one little clause, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And basically, if you're a Colossian believer reading this letter, you understand, I'm a Gentile. I'm, likely there are mostly Gentiles. And the way that the history of the church went was that Christianity or the, the Christian faith started in Israel amongst Jews. Jesus was a Jew born under the law, born of a virgin, born under the law, he lived as a Jew. He was, uh, he was the, the Jewish Messiah, the, 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 the anointed one who has come to, to save his people from their sin, to, bring, to, to make atonement for his people's sins and to deliver them from the guilt and penalty of sin. But the message primarily, uh, if you read the book of Acts, it primarily uh, existed within Israel for a time. Well, then in Acts chapter 10, which we looked at last week, the Apostle Peter was given a vision from God that God is opening up the way into his, into his people to the Gentiles. What was once considered unclean, he is now called clean through Jesus. And so now the Gentiles can pour in to the people of God. So imagine yourself, imagine the Christian faith is a plane or train, you know, some mode of public transportation. Everyone on that plane or train is traveling at the same rate of speed. But if you're looking at our contemporary settings, there are differences. First class, business class, and then economy. Everyone's, everyone's traveling at the same rate of speed, but some of you on this plane, uh, in, in our modern context, have have, are going to enjoy it better. If you're in economy, survival. Just survive. You get there. You're squished. You're, you're, you're with strangers. It, 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 it gets stuffy. You know, the, the, the food is, is, is uh, I like airplane food, but the, the food is, is, is okay. It's passable. It, it does its job, whereas in business class and uh, first class, they get actual meals prepared by chefs, and it's, you know, they get, they get spoiled a little. But everyone's going the same place. Everyone's reaching the same destination at the same rate of speed. It's just some have more privileges and comforts. Is that how the Christian faith works? The Jews who were first on the plane, they get their, their first class. You know, maybe some wayward, maybe some Jews of uh, some mixed, uh, of mix, mixed racial ethnicity, but they've retained their Jewishness. They, they're maybe business class. And all you Gentiles, your, your, your economy, you're just there. You're along for the ride. We're, 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 we're fine having you, but our attention and our, all the luxuries, all the benefits are going towards the first class of the plane. But the Christian faith does not operate that way. The great equalizer of the Christian faith is the finished work of Christ. And so when Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, this, this, this mystery that has been revealed now concerning his, the richness of his mercy and glory towards the Gentiles... Is Christ in you? So he's talking to the Gentiles. 
Christ is every bit in you as he is Jewish believers. And you have to understand too, the church in Colossae is, is, is experiencing some false teaching um, by false teachers who are likely, if we put the dots together, are likely sort of saying that there is something lacking in what Paul has, what has come to you as, as far as the gospel. There, there's more that needs to be added or, 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 or disclosed to you, and they have come to disclose that, and Paul, Paul trounces that. They may say that Christ was insufficient to save you fully, that you need to add more than just Christ. And Paul trounces that by that great section in 15 through uh, 20 where he, he tells of the, the glory and the grandeur of Christ that we spent and took uh, a careful look at. And here he is saying, you Gentile believers are not secondary. You're not economy class and the Jews who have entered in uh, but, uh, 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 who entered in first are, are, are first class. There is a great equalizer. Christ in you is your hope of glory. And so you have to go back to that section in 15, verse 15 through 20, where he talks about the richness and the glory and the might and the power of Christ. That person who is the image of the invisible God, the fullness of God, he is in you and he is that being in you is your hope of glory. So if you are in Christ, he is in you and everyone who has Christ has the full complete, sufficient uh, hope of glory as anyone else. We are all flying first class in Christ. Everyone who is in Jesus, he is, Jesus is in them and they have the full hope of glory of what awaits them. Christ's finished work guarantees that all that you, that, that, that all that he promises is yours. There are no secondary citizens in the house of God. So that's all I have to say on this. That's, that's what I wanted you all to know. There is nothing lacking in Christ that if you are in him, if you have placed your faith and trust in him, you have it all, all that is Christ. And so let's just look at, let's go back and read verses 15 through 20. Just to just see, this is, this is what, Paul says, is in you, and this is the basis of your hope for eternal life and final salvation in him. Read this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And Paul says, that is who is in you. That person, that figure, he now, by faith in your, when you tr placed your faith and trust in him, he, you united yourself to him. You are in him and all of his righteousness, all of his goodness, all of his perfections are yours by, that, by virtue of that union. They belong to you. They are truly yours. And that is what's presented to God on your, uh, on your behalf. When you go before God for final judgment, Christ is the, is the basic, you don't, you don't look at God and say, okay, God, I, I went to Sunday school. 
I gave, I gave 20% of all my, of all my earnings. I, I, I never missed church. I, I, you don't list all the things that you have done. You come empty-handed with your own, with your own goodness. Lord, I have nothing. But you promise that in Christ, everything that he was, so all of his perfections, his obedience, his faithfulness, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his joy, his worship, everything that Jesus was, everything that Jesus did in his incarnation, he did for me in my place. And I, I trusted in that. I believed on that. And you promised that by believing on that, I would have all that he has in that. And God would say, that's, that's right, my child. That is right. So you present that before him. And all that, all that majesty, all that glory, all that grandeur of who Christ is, is in you. And that is what you present before God. I present to you Christ in my place. Christ for me. Christ, uh, Christ because I have sinned. He came and was sinless. He came and was obedient. He came and was righteous. Christ for me. And I present him to you. And God says, yes, I accept that. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you're received into God's eternal dwelling to be with him forever in righteousness and joy and peace. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So Paul says to the Gentiles and, and to those who would have confusion, Christ in you and Christ only is your hope of glory. The no, no, no Jewish ancestry, no, no, um, no, no, um, no performance review of your, of your actions. It is all on the basis of Christ. And when you believe on him, everything that he is, everything that he is in his, uh, as, as your savior, as our, as our redeemer is yours and it dwells in you and is your hope of glory. Glory. Not okayness. Not just better than it is now. Some of you better than it is now could be something as simple as installing a, a, a in-ground pool in your backyard. Hey, it's better than it once was or putting $10,000 into your bank account. That's better than it is now. Some of you may be a, a, a newer vehicle uh, that has reverse. Uh, you know, that's better than it is now. But he is saying glory. Glory. That is how, that is a word describing in the Old Testament, describe, it, it could be related to the Old Testament word of kabod, of, or kavod of God's glorious presence. Your hope of being with God in fellowship with Him is Christ. Christ in you, freely available to all who believe. Christ in you is your hope of glory. So you guys need to do some analyzation. You guys, we all need to do some self-reflection. What do we base our hope for glory on? If at the end of the day, if it is anything, then Christ and his mercy and his standing in your place, your hope is in the wrong thing and there is no glory awaiting you. But if at the end of the day, all you can say is it is, it is Jesus in my place for me. And I have nothing but the promise of God to hold to, but I hold to that promise. Maybe not as strongly every day as I would like, but at the end of the day, that's all I have. Paul here says that is the hope. That is enough and sufficient for the hope of glory. And for Paul, hope is not wishful thinking. You know, I hope 
to have a really good Christmas, lavished all kinds of Christmas gifts upon me, hint, hint. But I cannot know for certain what awaits me come Christmas Day. I know what my children are getting, but I, do not, I, I don't exactly know what I'm, so I can hope for a good Christmas. That's, that's the selfishness of me coming out. Please feed that selfishness. It's great. But, um, but that, is, that is my hope. That's wishful thinking. I hope that my children grow and, and um, you know, are, have stable lives. They love the Lord. They serve the Lord. Um, trust the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and raise their families to do the same thing. And I hope, I hope reasonably that there is some measure of stability financially and in their careers and all that. That's what I hope for, but I, I, I can't know that. It's sort of wishful thinking. That is not the type of hope that, that Paul is talking about. Some of you have doctor's appointments and you hope for good news. Some of you have uh, perhaps uh, job interviews or something coming up. I, I hope this goes well. Some of you may even have uh, lottery tickets in your wallets and you're thinking, I hope that works out well. Let me tell you, it never does. But um, you know, you, you, that's wishful thinking. For Paul, hope is trust bait rooted in the character of God that he will do all that he says. It's very similar to faith. But hope is firmly rooted in the character and nature of God, not in wishful thinking. It is assur- there is an assurance in hope. There is a certainty in hope. When I die because of Christ. I will be safe in my Father's arms. When I die, I do not have any doubts that I will be with God. Because, not because I know I have done well enough, but because Christ in my place, for me, in me by faith, has secured my future. And the future is glorious. And that is the hope in Romans chapter 5, Paul says that, that hope does not disappoint. Godly hope does not disappoint because God does not fail. So Christ in you, His finished work, His faithful obedience and love in your place for you is the basis and the certainty that when all is said and done, it will be glory for you. There are some who hope in this life for things that this life offers. There are some who would teach that you ought to live your best life now, that you are to, by faith, name in faith the things that you want God to, to provide for you and to deliver to you, whether that is wealth or health or riches and, and prosperity and all that. That is a misapplication of biblical hope. For Jesus himself says, do not labor for that which Moth and rust can destroy, which thieves can break in and steal. But put your treasure in heaven. And this is what Paul's saying. Christ in you gives you heavenly glory. That may, that then, that may mean then, in the meantime, there is earthly difficulty and pain and sorrow. But even Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 says, but we, you know, we do not lose faith. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, these light and momentary afflictions. And you have to understand, when Paul says light and momentary afflictions, he is talking about 
afflictions that include things like him being attacked by wild animals, being shipwrecked multiple times, being imprisoned multiple times, being having to be lowered out of a city in a basket out of a window because the authorities were coming to arrest and kill him, having been stoned, having been lashed and, and whipped with the 39 lashes. He has suffered He has suffered tremendously, physically, bodily. And he says, but these light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The glory that will be revealed, the glory that will be ours, will make the suffering as real and as painful and as difficult as it is seem so pale. Think about this. Those of you who have ever been so stressed and just... In, in turmoil and tumultuous situations, whether you're having just disasters at work or everything is just going wrong at home in your life, and somehow, some way, you're able to go on a, on a, uh, just a vacation, something as simple as a vacation, and you go and you, and you arrive at your, your, your hotel and the place that you're staying and it's clean, it's pristine, you open the door and you realize, I have five days here and just how easily the turmoil and the, and, the, and the difficulty just sort of melts away. Maybe temporarily, yes, because you have to go back home. But it just melts away and for a time, it could be something as simple as going to a movie that's really enjoyable. Your heart is heavy. You're sad. You are, you are stressed and fearful. And you go to something as simple as a movie and just for that two hours, you're just taken away from your troubles. They melt away and you just, they just, pale in comparison to the beauty and the wonder that you're seeing on the screen or in, in the, the vistas of the, the mountain chat, uh, 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 chateau or, the, or, the, or the, the luxury hotel or whatever it is that, that you find yourself in. Maybe it's just a, a day on, the, on, the, on fishing by the docks and just the calm, the calm quietness of the water flowing and the, and the sea breeze blowing and just, you know, your, 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 your poles bending with fish on the other end and just something of that and you just melt away. Paul says there's a glory that's coming that those troubles will not only melt away, they will never again rise. The glory will be so much more. So this is what Paul means when he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, glory being with God in his presence, without sin, without failure, in wholeness as a human being, as a person for eternity, every day, no day, in our eternal dwelling with Christ, in that glory will be worse than the day before. No moment will be worse than the day before. Ideally, it will be, uh, I, I think it'd be safe to say, it will be better every moment because every moment you will learn more and more of the goodness and the glory of Christ on that time. And Paul says, that is your hope. So let's get back to the main argument here. We're on the plane to God's glory Jesus, Christ in you, is a great equalizer. It's all first class. There is no economy. There is not even business class. There's not even uh, economy plus. It is all first class of the highest order for God's people in glory. We are all traveling on that plane, which is the gospel. It is delivering us to Jesus. Now, I know that in this context, it, it's kind of hard to look at the Jew-Gentile distinction and say, well, how does that really have a whole lot of meaning to me? Because most of us are, are likely, at best, 
mixed Jewish ancestry, but most of us are Gentiles. You know, I'm Korean, part German, part uh, British because of my last name, Hawkins, I would assume. So, you know, Gentile, not, not, not really. Well, my, the German side, my, my dad's mom's um, grandfather, uh, he, was German, he was Jewish. So, okay, so I have a little bit of that, but mostly Gentile, most of us Gentile. But that doesn't really matter here. But perhaps there are some who are, you look and you say, I'm, I'm new to this Christianity thing. I spent all my days on the streets. I spent all my time doing what I wanted to do. It's only recently that I started having anything to do with church or godliness. Maybe, maybe I'm on the back of the plane. Maybe, I'm, maybe I, there is still a, a, an economy class that for me because of what I've done or who I am who I've associated with maybe you're struggling with the idea that you are anything but or anything but a, a, a red-headed stepchild as it were I pardon any red-headed stepchilds that are here but you know the, as the saying goes um, you're anything but an unwanted person who got in merely by the skin of their teeth or merely on the graciousness of, 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 of the bouncer at the door, so to speak. You, you, don't, you don't feel like you belong here. You don't feel like that it, this is your place. But this is where Paul says, Christ in you is every bit the hope of glory for you as it is for the pastor preaching this message, as it is for the person raised all their life in the church, brought every Sunday, Sunday in, Sunday out, uh, Wednesday in, Wednesday out, if that, if that was the schedule of the life of the church. You never miss, you were never allowed to miss those period, you know, whether you're the, you were saved out of ab absolute drunkenness and violence, or you were saved out of, out of churchianity, and you were always beha well behaved outwardly, but in your heart you were, you were lost, but you didn't look as bad as a person who spent time in prison, as it were. There is no first class divisions even that way. Christ in you is equally your hope of glory as anyone else's, whatever your story is. My brothers and sisters, whoever you are, if you are in Christ, He and He alone is your hope of glory, and that is a guaranteed hope. And you have every privilege and every right and every, every distinction granted to the children of God. You are fully in the family of God, kept by Him, treasured by Him, preserved by Him, loved by Him. You are shown the same mercy on the same, the, the basis of mercy shown to you is the same as the basis of mercy shown to me, which is Christ. At the end of the day, God's not going to stand us up and say, you are a pastor, this is, this is, the, um, this is the VIP section, you are, a, you are a person who was, you know, you ran the streets and you had a rough life and uh, you just barely got in, you know, you go into the back of the room and when, you're, when, when, we're done, when the VIPs are done, then you can come to the buffet. The table is open for all who come through Jesus. And the feast is accessible to all who come to him by faith. Jesus tells of a parable. And if you are part of the, uh, the, the men's uh, tech study that, that, we, that we do, um, this week, if you read, he, he, we, we talked about um, 
Jesus and the workers in the vineyard, how the, the man who owned a field, he hired some at the beginning of the day and then he went, to the, he went to the marketplace and hired some more later on in the day and some more later on in the day. And then finally on the 11th hour, the, the, the last hour of work, he hired more and they agreed. He, he, he said he would pay them what was fair. And the ones who started at the beginning of the day, he, pay, he, he said he, they agreed to a denarius, which was the typical wage of an average worker. And so he started from the last, he started paying out his wages, starting from the last he hired to the first. And the last he gave a full denarius, even though they worked one hour. And then he gave the others a denarius all the way down. And the ones at the very beginning thought, we're going to get more than a denarius. This is great. And they were given a denarius and they grumbled. And Jesus says, the landowner says, am I not right to do what I want to with my own things? You begrudge me because of my generosity. And what he is pointing out is, is that he paid the, earth, the first workers what was agreed upon and what was fair. It's just that he was generous with the ones later come in. Some of you need to understand where you insert yourself into the story. Some of you who feel the weight of shame and guilt because of your past, you are the 11th hour workers. And the reward is the same. The joy is the same. Jesus is generous with all he brings in. Jesus loves equally. Now, yes, some of us who were raised in church like myself may look and, and feel superior. That's foolishness on our part. That's abject foolishness and stupidity. The Bible doesn't teach me that I'm allowed to feel that way. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches me that we are equal footing on the cross, at the cross. It shows the kindness and the mercy and the generosity of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, Christ in you is the equal hope of glory. Now, what does that mean for us moving forward? It means when we go and do Christmas caroling this evening, that we are going to proclaim through song the gospel. And hopefully, Lord willing, we'll have opportunity to talk to individuals one-on-one -on -one about the gospel. We pray and keep praying the rest of the day that God would open up opportunities for that and give us boldness to proclaim the gospel. That it means that no matter what, if we, open the, if we go to a house and the people in that house say, say, say someone opens a door and there's, you know, there's stolen goods in that house, there's, there's, um, there's, there's uh, uh, illicit drugs in, somewhere hidden in the house and that this is a house full of revelry and drunkenness. We can tell them the gospel with joy, with boldness and sincerity that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Not suits and ties, not leather-bound Bibles, not saying Christ, uh, churchianity things. Hello, brother, how are you doing today? Good to see you. God bless you. You know, we all, that, all those trappings, but Christ in you. And maybe they'll say, how, how can Christ save me? How can he save me? Because his, his finished work is sufficient to save those who are outwardly morally righteous, yet inwardly are, are like, uh, are like de uh, dead men's tombs, as the Pharisees were, and the prostitutes and the tax collectors of his day who were flocking into the kingdom through his message. God, Jesus can save equally them, any who come and repent of their sins and believe on him. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So we can go both to the house. We can, both, we can go both to the house full of drunkenness and revelry and the house of outward morality and yet inward coldness towards God and equally give them the gospel truth. And Christ can save. 
Christ can save. Our church, if we have two guests come into our, uh, into our fellowship, one is, is well-dressed and clear they have a good job and a good steady family life, but they are lost and without, without, without the gospel in their lives. And the other one is a, is a, is a, is a, is a homeless person who stinks of, of three weeks without a shower and, uh, and teeth have fallen out because of, uh, of, uh, of drug use and other, and, and, and other, uh, 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 failures to, to, for, for hygiene. Christ, we are not prefer, we are not to preference the well-dressed, well, well-manicured family or person over, over the one who is more obviously enthralled in, 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 in or obviously, uh, marked by brokenness, uh, and, and, and need. Both needs are equal if they are lost both need Christ in them as their hope of glory. One is not a better prospect than the other. And so we equally share gospel love and community and joy and mercy and compassion. We do not target one over the other. We want both to come to faith in Christ. And we can want both to be transformed in the gospel in him. And so I say this as I conclude, as we, as we close up. As this year comes to a close, as you reflect on your life, if you're like me, Christmas is a time to reflect. The end of the year is a time to reflect. And if you're like me, your reflections are not always positive. I, 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 it may surprise some of you because I am so arrogant. I don't look back at the years and think, man, I knocked 2018 out of the park. Man, I did so well. I impressed so many people. They were impressed with me. I was impressed with me. I might write a memoir about it. It'll be a bestseller. I don't think that way. I, I often look back and I look back with regret, sadness, and sorrow. I wish I'd done this more. I wish I'd done this more. I, w- I definitely wish I did this more. I wish I didn't do this. I wish I did do this. I look back with sorrow and sometimes I wonder, Lord, how, how can I even think that I am right with you? And this word comes to me My son, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 2018, now, 2018 for me was so much better than 2017. I do believe, I feel as if 2017 was kind of a lost year for me. 2018 was so much better. But even then, I still have regrets and, and, and wish that things were different. But then I look at this word and I say, but it is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And it is equally Christ in you, the hope of glory, is what you are to cling to and delight in and hold to. And it is holding you if you are in him. Jesus is holding you to himself. Some of you are here possibly and you're outside of Christ. You have never trusted him or if you, you think you have, but the more and more you sit under the preaching of God's word, the more and more you wonder, do I believe this? Is this true of me? And you're filled with doubts. And not doubts just because you're having a bad day, but doubts because I'm not sure I've ever actually squared with this. But I've tried on my own to be right with God and I've done all the right things in people's eyes thinking that's what the key to getting in. But the more I hear the word preached, the more I've been, I'm being told that it is Christ and it is faith in Him. And if I look at myself, I'm, I'm trusting in other things and not in Him. To you I say, ask God 
for clarity. Lord, am I in you or am I not? And he will tell you. You will know. And if, and if, and if in asking God, you are, it, is, it is made known to you that no, I am trusting in my own goodness or I am trusting in something else other than him, then you know what you need must do is to repent, to turn away from that, reject that as your hope. Look to Jesus. Believe on his finished work, his, his work in your place, his obedience, his death, his resurrection, all in your place as the only basis of your hope for glory, of your hope to be made right with God. Turn from your sins and fall on Jesus and believe on him for your salvation and know for certain that you will have a true, firmly established hope of glory. And then, as we go as a church body our separate ways, let us go with this good news to all who would believe. Get on the plane of the gospel. Don't get on the plane of good works and obedience. Get on the plane of the gospel where it's first class all the way. Whether you have come from, from licentiousness or, or, or hip hypocritical morality, either way, through Christ, faith in Him and union with Him, you will have an assured hope of glory. There is no one excluded from this message. And that is the mystery that, Christ, that Paul is privileged to preach. What he proclaims, him we proclaim, warning everyone. We'll look at that next week. Look to Christ, our hope of glory.